How's everybody doing this morning? It is Labor Day weekend, right? Which means summer's over, right? Sorry, sorry, that was probably not nice. So we're, um, we started a, a message series last Sunday called The Small Things, and we're talking about small things that make a big difference. Because what we said last Sunday is that it's often the small things, it's often the small things that no one sees that make the biggest difference. And we talked last week about our thought life, right? We talked, our, we talked last week about our thoughts and how our thoughts, you know, turn to actions and turn to words and all those things. And today, today we're talking about our words. Today we're talking about the words that we say. Now, now I know some of you um, have, have already, maybe, maybe even in the last five minutes, been offended by some words that you've heard, right? Because sometimes I like the couch. Um, I'm just saying, I mean, no, I'm just kidding, but, um, but, uh, but just having some fun with that. But as I was, I was, I was driving into church this morning, um, I, I just want to confess, this is probably one of the hardest messages I've had to preach in a while. Because whenever you preach about something like, like what we're going to talk about today, whenever you talk about something like we're going to talk about today, it, it, it makes it feel like sometimes that, well, well, he's speaking on that, so he must have that all together, Right? He must have his thought life all together. He must have his word life all together. But I can promise you in probably less than a five-minute conversation with my wife, Kristen, she will confirm with you that I don't have some of these things all together, okay? Um, but, but I'm learning, and, and God has been teaching me even this morning driving into church about some of the words that I'm saying, about some of the words that I'm not saying uh, to some people, and, and, and so um, I'm excited to dive into uh, this message with you guys this morning. You ready? Okay, a couple of you are ready, so let's dive in together. Um, if you look at Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21, you don't have to turn there, but just to kind of set us up this morning, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruits. And so we, we, see, uh, we see the author of this proverb here, Proverbs 18.21, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So we, we see that our thoughts become words, right? Our thoughts from last week, they become words. Words become actions. And here's kind of our thesis for today. The, the kind of big point, main point that I want us to, to talk about. That if we want to change the life that we have, if we want to change the life that we're living, we've got to change the words that we're speaking. If we want to change the life that we're having, if we want a life change, if we want things to turn around, if we want something to turn around, then we've got to change the words that we're speaking. If we want to change the life that we're having, if we want to shift in our marriage, if we want to shift in our parenting relationship, if we want to shift at our workplace, if we want to shift here or there, then we've got to change some of the words that we're speaking because small changes in the words that we speak can make a big difference in the life that we live. Uh, James chapter 3, the book of James, if you want to turn there, that's where we're going to camp out for quite a bit. James chapter 3 just some fun facts for you about the book of James. I, I love the book of James. Uh, James, who's the author of James, go figure, um, uh, he was the half-brother of Jesus. And so, and so James kind of comes at things bold and hard and quick, and I love that. I love that, and I always think, who better to have some perspective about what it was like to be a Jesus follower than his half-brother? And so James 
chapter 3. We're going to start back at verse 1. I'm not sure what's going to pop up on the screen here, but we're going to start back at verse 1 in, in James chapter 3, where he says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways. Did you catch that? Everybody, everybody, everybody catch this. For we all, everybody say all. For we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouth of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. I love the pictures that James gives us here. He gives us two pictures here, and he even gives us another one as we continue reading in just a moment. But if you want to control a horse, I don't know if any of you have ever worked with horses. Anybody ever worked with horses? Let me see the hand. Anybody? Okay, a couple of you, a couple of you. Um, I, I, I worked with horses uh, when I was younger, and, and, um, and, and my mom used to always tell me when my alarm would go off, and I would go off to, to clean stalls. If you don't know what cleaning a stall entails, we can't talk about it right now. Um, <laughs> um, but, but she would tell me that the outside of a horse is good for the inside of a man. Think about that one for a little bit. All right, um, but 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 these horses, right? They're big animals. They weigh a lot. Um, they they have minds of their own. But if you take a little small bit, right, this metal bar, and you put it in the back of its jaw, you can control the whole thing. So he says, something so small can control the big horse, or a rudder on a ship. Something so small, um, something so small. I was thinking I should have brought a rudder in uh, to to church this morning to as an illustration, but something so small can guide a big ship. He keeps going. Verse 6, How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. You get that setting on fire the entire course of life. And so the tongue is a big deal. And we have some, we have some interesting, uh, or, or not some interesting, we have, we have some choices to make when it comes to the tongue. We have some choices, to the make when, some choices to make when it comes to the tongue. There's one whose rash words are like sword thrust, Proverbs 12, verse 18 says, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Proverbs 15, 4, a gentle tongue is a tree of life, but, per, but perverseness and it breaks the spirit. And so, I want to talk for just a moment before we, before we get to, because there's three things that I want to talk about with our words, but before we get there, I want to do, we did a thought audit last week. I want to do a word audit this week. But there's two types of words. There's two types of words, right? So just roll with me here. If you're taking notes, put them on both sides of the paper. There's life-giving and life-taking. There's life-giving and there's life taking. And so, and so there's, there's life giving words like, like, I believe in you. I'm proud of you. I couldn't love you more. You're amazing. You knocked it out of the park. I would marry you all over again. How many of you said that in the last couple days? But then there's some words that crush the spirit. 
There's some words that just take the life out of us. Did you mean to do that to your hair? <laughs> I don't know if I can say this one. I probably shouldn't. So let's just skip that one. Um, why aren't you more like your brother? Uh, hate you and never loved you. Pathetic. Disappointment. Oh man, that one's a big one, right? Dis- the disappointed thing, right? Disappointed. Mom, Dad, are you mad at me? No, we're disappointed in you. Oh, right? The crushedness of that for the Spirit, right? But there's life-giving, there's life-taking words, right? And so, as we kind of do a, a word audit today, I want you to think about others. And if you were to think about others, when it comes to your words, when you speak to others, are you more life-giving are you more life-taking? And so if you, if you think about others on a scale of 1 to 10, are you more life-taking, 1, or life-giving, 10? Are you an encourager? Do you like to encourage people? I will never forget, um, uh, we were doing an Easter egg hunt down in North Carolina, and, and we had, we had this, this, this little guy named Joey. And Joey at the time was about 15. And Joey's gift was anything but encouragement or admonishment, okay? He... He, um, he saw the negative in everything, okay? I talked about Eeyore last week. That was Joey, okay? That was Joey. He's grown out of it a little bit now, but that was, that was Joey back in the day. And so my pastor and I, we were walking around the field, and we were getting ready because we had about 10,000 people or so that would come to our Easter egg hunt. And so we were getting ready in the morning, and, and we were kind of getting all, all, of, all of our stuff together. And there was one cloud in the sky, one cloud, and we kind of looked at it for a second, and we thought, oh, I mean, it could rain, but it's probably, it's probably not going to rain. I mean, the, the weather says 30%, so it's probably not going to rain. And, and, and so he and I were walking around this, this huge field that we had our Easter egg hunt at, and Joey was about three steps behind us the entire way. You see that cloud right there? It's going to rain. It's going to rain. It's definitely going to rain. 30% chance it's going to rain. It's definitely. And finally, my pastor turned around, and he did really well. Because I was expecting him to give the five-fold ministry. I mean, that's, I, I thought it. I thought it. I'm not going to lie. I thought it. But he didn't. He just said, Joey, I think your mom and dad need you over at the cotton candy. And I was so proud of him, right? Because Joey, in that moment, was about a, a, a minus ten, okay, in, in life taking, right? And, and so he was, he, he, was just, he was just being so negative. And yet, and yet, pastor turned around and he was probably he's probably a seven or eight there maybe even a nine right I think I think mom and dad need you over the at the cotton candy and sure enough he ran over there and he came back about five minutes later with the biggest cotton candy I've ever seen in my life and it kept his mouth shut so it was awesome it was awesome so when you when it comes to others life taking life giving what about yourself when it comes to yourself life taking Life-giving. When you speak words over yourself, when you think about who you are, when you think about what you think of yourself, life-giving, life-taking. Life-giving, life-taking. You know, and I I love the way that, that Jesus puts it, love your neighbor as yourself. How we love ourselves and how we preach the gospel, how we preach the gospel to ourselves dictates how we preach the gospel to others and how we love others. 
And so this was real convicting to me this week as I put this together. What are the words, what's the gospel that I'm preaching to myself? What are the things that I'm proclaiming over my life? Am I proclaiming blessing? Or am I proclaiming worthlessness? Just think about it. Think about it. It's interesting. And, and some of us, some of us don't have that. Some of us don't have that issue. Some of us will probably be about an eight when it comes to ourselves, and a three when it comes to others. Others of us will be about an eight when it comes to our others, and a two when it comes to ourselves. Maybe you're about a five. Either way, either way. What, where, where are you this morning when you think about others and when you think about yourself when it comes to words? Three things I want to come to when it talks about life giving. When we talk about life giving words, number one, real practical this morning. Real practical. If you can't say something helpful, skip it. If you can't say something helpful, skip it. Joey should have skipped it. Joey just should have ignored that cloud that day and skipped it. Um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29 says this, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths. See, I feel like Paul could have said this differently. On occasion, some corrupting talk can come out of your mouths. When you're around certain groups of people, corrupting talk can come out of your mouths. When you're in your small group, some corrupting talk can come out of your mouths. When you're at the gym, when you're at this restaurant, when you're at the workplace, corrupting talk can come out of your mouths. But only such as good for building up. He doesn't say that. Let no, everybody see that word? No, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as good for building up as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Now, I know some of you spouses, you're sitting there elbowing. That's not the point. That's not the point. That's not a good place to elbow. Think about you for just a second. Think about you for just a second, right? Let no, uncorrupting let no corrupting talk come out of our mouths, but only such is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do your, do your words grace others? Do your words grace others? When you're speaking about others to other people, are they grace-filled words? Are they grace-filled words? And there's something I want to go back to, right? If you can't say something helpful, skip it. Let's talk about helpful for just a second. Can we talk about helpful for just a second? Because I think we all may have a little bit of a different definition when it comes to helpful. A couple things I want to talk about when it comes to helpful. Number one, how do I know if it's helpful? Biggest thing, pray about it. Seriously, pray about it. Okay, well, I'm seeing this in someone's life, and I think I may have a solution. I may have a solution. I, would, I dealt with that a few years ago, and, and, and this is the way I came out of it. I may have a solution, and, and so, and so maybe, maybe I'll share that with this person, right? I need to spend some time in prayer about that. God, would you have me share that? Would you have me share that in this time? And so if I think it's helpful, if I think it's helpful, great. But, but it doesn't matter if I think it's helpful. Does God need me to do that? Has God placed me in the position? Has God given me the platform to share with that person what I think is helpful? But if I can't say something helpful, then I just need to skip it. If you can't say something helpful in the situation, skip it. Secondly, when it comes to helpful... It's not always what you say, it's how you say it. Right? It's not always what you say, 
It's how you say it. What you, what you say may be completely helpful, but how you said it was, was the opposite of helpful. Right? Anybody married have any experience with this? Or am I the only one? I could tell you story after story after story, but Kristen's not here to defend herself this morning, so I'm just going to leave him alone, okay? I'm just going to leave him alone. She's going to probably listen to this message, and I want if it, if it's help, it's, that won't be helpful for me, okay? I like my bed. The couch isn't as comfortable, and so I'm just going to leave that one alone. But I, I sat with some folks a few weeks ago in a marriage seminar, and, uh, and, and, and I was just there to, to, to learn and kind of soak some things in. And, um, and this couple, this couple did a phenomenal job with this marriage seminar. They go around um, to Chick-fil-A. Anybody ever heard of the Christian chicken? Chick-fil-A? Okay, a couple of you from the South, bless your hearts. Okay. I have a problem with Christian chicken, Chick-fil-A. They build your tithe into the price of the chicken. Like, it's just an overpriced... Anyway, okay, keep going. Sorry. Whoop! Back. All right. Um, um, but, but they go around to Chick-fil-A corporate offices and, and Chick-fil-A offers like these marriage seminars to all their franchise owners and different things like that and so they, they speak and one of the things that they said and the way that we communicate with our spouses that I think rolls over into the way that we communicate with others just in general is this that our vocabulary reflects our intellect but our tone reflects our heart The words we say, the words we choose to say, because some of us can say some really big, impressive, pointed words, right? That reflects our intellect. But our tone and how we're saying it and how we're communicating and how things are coming across, that reflects the heart. Now, I don't know about you, but that stings a little bit. That stings a little bit. But if we can't say something helpful, which includes the tone in which we're saying it, then we ought to skip it. And here's the deal. Here's the issue. Some of you are sitting in this room. Yeah, but I can't skip it. Because the, the quicker we can get past it, the quicker it gets resolved. Amen. I am right with you. That is me. That is me. I am, I am a let's deal with this right now so that we can get it out of the way. We can't skip it. Let's just say the way that we feel. Let's say the things that we need to say. Let's pull a John Mayer. Let's get on the other side of it. And then let's, and then let's move on with life. Right? But that's not always the best way. That's not always the best way. Because if we take a minute, if we take a minute, we get our heart right, we can come back into the situation, we can plug back in and think about how to say what we need to say in the right tone, out of the right heart, in a way that's helpful. If you can't say something helpful, skip it. If you can't say something helpful, skip it. Number two, Alright, here, here's where, this is going to get fun. Everybody okay? Alright, good. If you think something good, speak it. If you think something good, speak it. Proverbs 16.24 says this, Gracious words are like a honeycomb. Sweetness to the soul. And health to the body. Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. There, there, are some people, there are some people that I interact with on a one-on-one basis. And, and I, know, I know that everybody knows somebody like this. 
than in a crowd. They, they don't, um, they're, not, they're not the loudest one in the bunch. But when they say something, everybody listens. Right? Everybody listens. Every, every, everybody just clues in and, and pays attention to exactly what they're saying. Right? And, and here's, here's the question that I would ask. If you think something good, speak it. Because why rob someone of the blessing of not hearing that? Um, I, and, and not only if you think something good, speak it, but if you think something God, speak it. I've been really challenged lately with how to speak, with, with how to speak God things over others. And this kind of this came by surprise. It kind of hit me by surprise as I was recently spending a lot of time with some, with some younger boys. Some younger boys. And, and it was about three or four boys, and we were sitting around a circle. And, and um, as, I went around, as I went around the circle, uh, each, each, each of them said something that really just cut me to the heart. They said, we've never heard anybody tell us that we're proud of us. We've never heard anybody tell us that we're proud of us. And recently, and I, I don't, I don't want to make this about, I don't want to make this about anything other than the gospel this morning. But, but I want to, I want to tell you something to kind of, to kind of drive this home. And men, and women, not just men, but in the church, we've we've got to start edifying each other a little bit more. Like, we got to stop thinking about how to be so critical with each other and critical of the things that aren't getting done or critical of the way that we're dressing or coming in or doing this or doing that or not doing this or not doing that. Critical of the way we're parenting uh, our, our kids or, 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 or what have you. And, and I've just been real convicted about what, what are the words that we're building each other up with? As I was talking with a dear friend the other day and um, and he, he lost his dad about two months before I lost my dad and if I could go back he, he asked me this last weekend he said he, he asked me a question out of the blue he said if you could hear your dad tell you anything what would it be if you could hear and I actually said this at our men's retreat back in September, October, when I was hanging out with our guys. I said, man, if I could hear anything, I'd just love to hear that my dad's proud of me. I would just love to hear that. I would give anything to hear my dad tell me that he's proud of me. Right, guys? I mean, don't we live for that? Don't we live, fellas, to just make our dad proud? Like, that's, that's it, right? And... Um, and so we talked some more and we, we kept thinking and I, then, then I immediately jumped back to those boys that I was sitting around in a circle with and I thought, man, we have an opportunity in every conversation that we're in to give life or take life. And if we did an inventory over the conversations that we're in with people on a day-to-day basis, on a weekly basis. Are we giving life? Or are we taking life? 
And some of us don't even think about it because we don't take the time to just pause and think about what well, are the words that I'm speaking giving life or the words that I'm speaking taking life. And you know, I thought about that because if the enemy can keep his church busy, if the enemy can keep the church busy and not focused on things like that, then we'll focus more on what's getting done and what's not getting done. And we won't speak words that give life. So what are the words that we're giving each other? If we think something good, speak it. But then also, also, don't just encourage others with your words. Encourage yourself. Talked about speaking the Gospel to ourselves. David, in 1 Samuel chapter 30, David was panicked. David was panicked. People wanted to stone him. 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 6 says this, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because all the people were bitter in soul, each for his sons and daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. David strengthened himself. So not only do we need to speak God things over others, but we need to stop and pause and speak God things over ourselves. What are the God things that you're speaking over yourself? What are the things that you're reminding yourself? What's the gospel that you're preaching to yourself every day? I'm not enough. I need to do more. Or I'm covered by grace. I serve a God that loves me. So, if we can't say something helpful, skip it. If we think something good, speak it. And last but not least, if we want to see it, say it. If we want to see it, say it. Now this is, more, this is more when it comes to our prayer life. Say to that mountain, move, and it will be gone. Right? If we want to see it, say it. What about the sun stand still prayer? God, would you make the sun stand still? And God made the sun stand still. So my question for you this morning is, if you could say one statement. We talked about one thought that we were going to meditate on last week. And hopefully you thought and meditated on that thought. But one statement. What's one statement that you would speak over your life this week that's a God statement, that's life-giving, that's, that's not life-taking? And if you were to take one statement, my one statement would be, I'll do my best to enter His rest. Or Christ in me, we sang about this earlier, Christ in me is stronger than the appetites in me. That God is stronger in me than the pull to this or the pull to that. What would be your one statement this morning? Because if we want to change the life we live, then we'll change the words that we speak. Matthew chapter 12, verses 36 and 37 says this, But I tell you, but I tell you, that everyone will give an account on the day of judgment for every empty word they've spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. I, hesit I hesitate bringing this up, and, and it's, it's been affecting me a, a lot over the last few days. The chances are you've seen this on social media, or you've seen this in different places, but last weekend out in Southern California, a pastor who's younger than I am, with a wife and three kids on a Friday night, tried to take his own life. He wasn't successful. He was rushed to the hospital, put on intensive care, and 
Saturday night they lost him. And he was, the articles say that he was battling depression. He was battling some anxiety. And I'm not minimizing those things in this message. Those things are real. And I've said from this pulpit before that the church stinks in how we handle mental health as believers. We just, we just think it's something that we can't touch and we're quick to... Anyway, I'm, I'm, and so I'm not, I'm not getting into that conversation. Okay? That's very real. That's very real. But there's a letter that came out a couple days ago that his wife wrote three days after her husband died at 30, 32 years old. Three kids under 10. Heartbreaking. Gut-wrenching. And as you read this letter... I couldn't make it through it. It took me about three or four times to read it to get all the way through it. She says in there, I wish I could say this to you. I wish I could speak this to you. I wish I would have prayed over you more. I wish I would have told you I appreciated you more. I wish I would have done this. I wish, you, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. She said, I wish you would have had someone that was a spiritual father to speak some of those things over you. As I read that, I just sank for this wife. But as I read that, I also sank for my brother. Because like you, probably this morning, sitting here, I've been there. I've been in that place of loneliness. I've been in that place of emptiness. And listen, and listen I'm, I don't want a bunch of text messages today telling me, oh, I'm so proud of you. I'm so thankful for you. You're the best pastor ever because I don't want you to lie. <laughs> okay? Because we all know that it's, that's not true. Okay? So I'm not saying this for me, but I've, I've been in that place. Chances are you've been in that place where all you hear, where all we hear, and all we experience is the negativity and the crap and the criticisms and the stuff of life. And we just beg, would somebody just take us out to coffee and tell us about how awesome the Red Sox are? Like, I've been without TV for, for like three and a half weeks or so. I have no idea how the Red Sox are doing. I hear they're tanking now. Somebody was telling me over, over the weekend how, how they're tanking. But I, I would just love to, to just go out to coffee and, and let's, let's talk about butterflies. Those are happy things, right? I mean, let's just talk about that. Instead of, instead of man, what are we going to do about these? What are we going to do about these buildings? What are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about that? What are we going to do about uh, how, how are we going to handle this? We need more money. We don't need more money. We need to stop spending money. We don't need to stop. And, and for just one day, maybe one week, maybe one season, bless each other with our words. Or preface it. 
preface it by saying, hey, we need to talk about some things, but I, I just want to start by saying how thankful I am for you. Like I was, and, and I, 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 I don't like, I, I don't like separating people and, and bringing people up from the stage because there's always that person, well, he didn't say my name, so he must not be thankful for me. Oh, come on. Really? But as I was praying with the worship team earlier, I, I thought on the way to church, I thought on the way to church this morning, man, Dave and Kristen Champa have been here since day one of me getting here. Turners, you, you're pretty close behind them. Seven and a half years they've put up with me. They should have left five years ago. All of them. All of them. They had every reason to. But they didn't. And man, I'm thankful. I don't tell the Turners I'm thankful enough for them, mostly because Tom wouldn't care. <laughs> but Chris would. So Chris, I'm thankful for you. Eh, Tom. When was the last time you told your wife you're thankful for? Like truly, deeply. Like I'm, I'm so thankful for you. Husband, mom, dad, friend, coworker. It amazed me as I was studying for this message this week how many scriptures talk about the words we speak amazed me and with this tongue we can speak life or we can speak death the message literally says that with the tongue you can speak life you can speak death your choice your choice your choice and I want to choose to speak life a lot more I want to focus on that in my life over your heart as an individual, as a family, and over my heart. And we'll have to deal with stuff, granted. It's a dream world to think that we won't have to deal with stuff, and, and I get that. We'll have to deal with stuff, and we'll have to deal with things, and those will come. But what would it look like if we started every conversation with speaking at least one life-giving thing over each other? What does that look like? What does that look like? Because you never know what the person you're talking to is coming out of. You never know what they're dealing with. You never know what that last conversation was for them. You never know what Massachusetts license plate cut them off on the way to that meeting <laughs> with you. If you're from Massachusetts, we're praying for you. We are. We're hopeful for your... Anyway. We don't know. God does. And that's why it's so important that we walk into every meeting, every conversation, with any person we're talking to, checking our heart because we all have words but our tone reflects our heart Whew. there's a lot there 
worship team is going to come. And they're going to sing a song called Simplicity. It's by Wren Collective. Y'all better get up here. I, y'all checking your hair or something. <clears throat> it's called Simplicity. I love this song. I love this song. And this morning, I just wonder if we can bring ourselves simply back to the cross when it comes to our words. And if you're sitting here this morning, and you're sitting and you're thinking, man, what would that one, what would that one word for me, what would that, what would that one statement be for me this week? As you're sitting there praying, I encourage you, if you want to sit while the worship team is singing this song, sit. If you want to stand and sing, stand and sing. Whatever posture of worship you want to take in these next few moments, I, I invite you to, to do that. But think about what would that one statement be? Because the, the chorus of this song, it's, 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 it's kind of a prayer. You're the reason I sing. You're the reason I sing. As I think about that, and as I think about ending a, a message like this and ending a service like this with this song, you know, God is the reason we live. That breath that we can take right there, these words that we can speak right here, they're because God's given us breath and because God wants us here, because God has a purpose for our lives. And so if He's the reason that we sing, what does it look like for us to give Him control over our words? God, would You take control over the words that I speak? God, would You take control over this tough conversation that I've got to have? And so God, this morning, for me, I give You my words. I ask that You give me the power and the strength and the words to say to speak life over others. And to speak you things over others. Not for my agenda, not for my purpose, but for Your purpose. And God, I pray that You give me the strength and the boldness to speak You things over my life. To speak You things over me. That I'm not worthless or that I'm not, that, that, that I'm not uh, damaged or any, anything like that that may come into our minds, but that God, I'm valuable. That God, You desire relationship with me. You desire to use me. You desire me. And so God, I pray that if there's any words that we've spoken recently or maybe ten years ago that damaged a relationship, I pray that You would restore that. I pray that You would begin a process there. Only You can. But God, I pray also that as we go forward, that You'd be with the words that we speak, the thoughts that we think. And that God, we would give You control there and ask that You have Your way in those things. In Jesus' name I pray.